Welcome to Women in Construction, proudly sponsored by Big Doug, the UK's leading storage experts. From garage shelving to industrial racking, office chairs, desks and packing, they've got it covered. Visit bigdoug.co.uk for mega deals and discounts. Women in Construction Room now has been running for, I want to say about 18 months, maybe a bit longer. We've been here every week and we've um, done women in business, women in construction, and we really champion um kind of women who go out there and do fabulous, fabulous things. Um, and we like to celebrate their success and kind of push them to to do more and be champions for other women as well, which is what we absolutely love. Um, and the men that come along and support that movement is is overwhelmingly incredible as well. Um, we are sponsored by Big Doug. They've been our sponsor for 18 months. Their support is incredible. Um, as yeah. a business, they have enormous... Um, rates of inclusivity within their business and they believe how that kind of thing increases bottom line um, so they share our vision they basically sell every single product you could ever need they're like amazon but for business <laughs> um so yeah please go and check them out at any point if anyone does need anything for their business i think they've got something like four hundred and fifty-five thousand products now uh, so oh, they've gosh. grown substantially over their journey as well and it's great to see so um Ayo, I'm going to let you do a little intro and um, tell us a little bit about you and what brings you here today. Um, and then we'll kind of get going on the questions, things and everything. Hi. Um, so uh, thanks for having me, Hayley. Um, it's, re it's, it's really great to be here. Um, I guess a bit about me. I am. Uh, my name is Ayo Bass. I am a marketing consultant and I've worked in the construction sector for around 21 years now. Um, and um, basically the work that I do, I very much work mainly with, uh, I started off in construction uh, in PR. So I would work for building manufacturers, so carpet, carpet companies, lighting companies, all selling into architects and contractors. And then I moved in-house and started working for engineering firms, really, which is where I spent most of my career in-house there. So I've worked with some of the large firms like Arup and Rambo and Mace and things like that. Um, and in the past uh, three years, I set up my own uh, marketing consultancy uh, at Bass Marketing, which I which I do. And I work with a range of firms uh, doing their marketing strategy and content. So, yes, yeah, so I've been in the industry and been around for quite a while, really. Well, that's a, a really contrastive journey, isn't it? Um, I could not imagine now leaving construction. And going into marketing, I just think, wow, that seems like a completely foreign task to me. So what kind of took you on that transition? How did that come along? Um, but I've always worked in marketing for the construction sector. So that's ah, what I've always done. Yeah. So I market okay. construction firms. So that's what I've always done. So, you know, starting off in the product side and then moving in-house into engineering, it's all related to being technical. It's all related to construction. So I actually love the sector. And um, so it's more about that for me than anything else. Yeah, that's amazing. And I bet you've seen some incredible projects that you've kind of promoted and marketed. On yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, obviously, when I, I mean, I worked in Arup at one point. So I was working with all the top architects from around the world. So 1000 structural engineers designing buildings around the world and supporting them wow. and, you know, working with the top architects. Um, I've worked on stuff like the redevelopment of New Street for four years. So working with the, with the team leading that whole project. So and I've worked on, you know, the, you know, the, the um, Olympic Park transformation when I was at Mace. So working with the ODA, you know, the Olympic Development Corporation and things like that. So I've worked on some of the kind of big landmark kind of projects around the country so I get to see it from a slightly different view because I'm not an engineer I'm not a contractor but actually I work with the people who are making those projects happen and how they communicate 
yeah and it's incredible because it does I think any kind of role you have in construction where you know permanent structures are being built you, you somehow get a feeling of like being part of history like honestly my exactly. kids must think I'm insane because we'll be around and about like you do and I'm the person my granddad was and I'll go out oh, I did the lighting in there or oh we um we supplied all the project for that I worked with x y and z and we got that one finished and they must think really mum I'm not interested but actually they'll probably be quite quite proud of it when they're older to know that I was part of it and I feel proud of it I think actually I've put my mark somewhere and whether yeah. anyone knows or they don't you, you can feel proud of it and it's nice and you're right. And I think that's one of the things you can't forget is I, I know when I speak to engineers and I work with loads of engineers and, you know, when they like oh, when I walk by and I show my mum this building that I've designed or, you know, all of that kind of stuff or my child. And they're really proud of that. And I think it's really nice. So it, it, it's something that I guess is it's one of those things you get from building or constructing something. And I think it's there for years to come. And I think actually looking at the topic we're going to be talking about, you know, a lot of the building, the buildings that are, that are here now are the ones that we need to retrofit. So they actually work in terms of climate change and sustainability, because they're going to be, that's the most important part of, you know, climate, you know, reducing climate change and greenwashing is actually looking at how we can help our society and community to grow. So I think we've got a huge opportunity as an industry. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for the six years, um, well, for the past 11 years, I've been in the industry and I think the last six years I've ran my own business. We've really been on, um, well, I'm in the energy saving technology business and these yeah. you know, buildings and these structures are where we aim to go in and help give, you know, and I think technology has come so far and products have come so far in the sense that yeah. you can retrofit, you can keep your existing building as it is and the wiring can stay the same and it's not disruptive, but actually we can change something out um, to give you something that's going to be less energy and miles more environmentally friendly. And it's getting that right, isn't it? And I think that's something that and you're, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. And I think it's that incremental improvements, isn't it? And like you say, because yes. there's new technology coming on stream. Nobody's got all of the answers, right? At the moment, no one has, you know, from the large construction firms. Nobody has all the answers that we need to retrofit or do, you know, to be greener and reduce our carbon emissions. So we're all learning. And I think it's that thing of actually those incremental improvements that we can all make as, you know, whether you're working on small projects or large projects. So you're completely right. I think it, it's that part that we've all got to kind of get more up to speed on. And that's from a, how we construct things, but also how we communicate about it as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, like what, what you're going to touch on today for us and is these terms being thrown about can be just as dangerous as not doing it. So throwing around the fact that you're becoming net zero or you're becoming carbon free or, you know, using these <laughs> terms and just thinking it's a tick box exercise, like saying we promote DNI in our business. Well, do you or do you tick boxes to make people believe you do? And this is the same thing with this yeah. greenwashing piece, isn't it? And I think the education, the awareness around it had to come first. So when I started in LED lighting 12 years ago, we weren't just selling products then. We had to educate someone as to why they should buy it and yeah. basically try and convince them that the upfront cost was beneficial for them and why that would work and now the education piece is almost done and the uptake of you know mm. I don't think there's many people now that don't know what LED lighting is now it becomes a point of which one suits us and which one's our application but the education piece was huge you know it and as a I think as as British people we don't like change 
<laughs> what are you trying to say? I, I, I don't know if this is something across the board, but I think we're quite resistant to change. Stuck in our ways, is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. When, and, you know, if something sounds too good to be true, it's not real. So if you're saying to someone, if you pay me 100 grand now, you will save 30 grand a year for the next five years, savings free, uh, warranty free, sorry. So not having yeah. to pay any maintenance for five years, they go, that doesn't sound true. That can't be true because we've always been told if it's good, it's not true. <laughs> that, well, this is it. And I, yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's like, how do, yeah, people have been burned as well, though, I suppose, I suppose is the other thing, yes. right? Yeah. If you've been burned, you're there going, how can I trust you? What's going to happen? And I think one of the things about this whole kind of making green claims and, and statements is actually evidencing it. So what's mm -hmm. that claim based on? You know, have you done it for other people? Who can I talk to who you may have done this for? And it's worked. They've made that savings. So it's like, how do you give me re reassurance that what you're saying is true? And yeah. I think that building that case around what you're saying and, and what you're proposing, I think that's kind of what firms have got to do now. It's like, give me the evidence to believe what you're saying, you know, or why you're the person I should trust. And I think we've yeah. all got to build that out and do that. So that example you've given is brilliant. And I think the whole thing about you're building a market. So like you built, you, you had to make the case for LED light, lighting 10 years ago. You know, this is why you should do it. And now you're reaping the rewards from that where people are, automatically going to specify it so i think we've got to do the same thing for kind of green issues and sustainability matters is is that same process so we've gone through the whole talking about what it is but now it's the how we're doing it here's some evidence where we've done it and where it's worked and actually starting to share those stories yeah definitely do you remember the green deal about... i do was that one of the government yeah. ones but i mean they, yeah. they often pulled stuff didn't they which was yeah, appalling so they, they brought out something called the green deal i want to say it was i think my son was about four so i want to say it was about 10 years ago and yeah. they talked about and at the time i remember reading it and going that's never going to happen and they talked about the fact that from 2020 no new house that was built would have a gas means supply it would have oh, that's not happened does it no and i remember at the time going oh that's that's huge. And then they said something that by 2050, as a country, we would have reduced our entire carbon emissions by 80%. And I'm going, oh, that's a big task. Like, where are they getting these figures from? How are they going to make sure it happens? And at the beginning, it was, they were throwing money at solar PV, weren't they? And they were throwing money yeah, yeah. at cavity wall insulation. And, you know, and like everything else, the arse fell out of it. Once people had the upfront money, they didn't really care anymore. And it all went wrong. And then the Green Deal kind of right. <laughs> yeah. so can you give us an example of um maybe like a, a a big company that have made not particularly call them out but have trusted someone and made a mistake in what they've claimed or what they believe they could claim off the back of something and what the implications of that have been I mean, I guess a recent one um, that, that, that is that was in the news recently was um, so the government in the past year has brought out something called the Green Claims Code, which is by the uh, Competition and Markets Authority, which is all about, you know, trying to kind of use their teeth a bit more and stop people making claims that aren't true. And they recently have tried a couple of companies, but the one that stood out for me was HSBC. They did, you know, they do a lot of kind of sustainability ads. They had like a bus ad and it was very much... Um, 
they had a complaint against them, which was basically that they couldn't uphold the claims made on that poster and they were found to be um, in, in the wrong. So there's starting to be this wave of kind of governments who and, and, and bodies who are starting to kind of name call, not call, starting to call out people who aren't, you know, whose claims aren't substantiated or making kind of claims that are, are basically untrue. So there is a kind of growing groundswell. And also there's a lot more kind of legislation from financial regulation coming in in the next few years um, that are going to apply to funders and investors at the top. And once they have to start declaring what they're doing and what their supply chain is doing, then that's going to trickle down to us on the ground. So I think we've all got to kind of be a bit more aware of what we're doing and how we talk about sustainability matters and also evidencing it with you know facts and figures rather than just making claims. So it's like a whole sea of re regulation on the horizon. Yeah, and I, I think it's fantastic that that happens. And what what kind of bugs me about it is, although I champion it and I think this is great, this needs to happen. You know, I'm in the industry, so I'm all for it. Yeah. What bugs me is the government only put legislations and codes in place when it comes to money. So we yeah. talk about the DNI piece all the time, all the time. And, and Michaela's been to government and she's um, we've we've spoken to people in government and we're trying to get them to weight tenders with um, actually, you know, giving. Um, points to DNI on applications for tenders. Yeah. And blah, 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 yeah. blah. And that they're will not behaviour. But yeah. that will change behaviours. You're absolutely right. And I think, but it's it's funny, it's it's a lot of stuff where you go, if you want to drive behaviours, you've got to drive the changes that you want to see. So actually turning around and saying, you know, actually in, in the tender submissions, we want to know that, show us your leadership, what, what are they made up of? You know, show us, show us your sustainability credentials. Actually, how much waste did you recycle from your site? And how have you, how, what's your year on your targets? How are you actually performing against your targets? And I think the more of those types of more technical and data-led questions that people have to face, then you're going to have to change your behaviour because you won't win the work. So I think there is that kind of carrot and stick of helping people along, but also... I think tenders and, and clients are going to get a lot more, especially the public sector. They 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 can do that. They can drive that behaviour change and actually yeah. kind of legislate for it. And that yeah, for for, for topics including DNI, and but also for for green claims. I think I think that's the only way because people yeah, won't want to do I, it otherwise. Super important. And what it will do is it will weed out the people who have been. And this happens, and I know people don't think it does, but it will weed out the people that are winning contracts on handshakes and friends and who they know. And do they know. do that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is not new information. But, like, I just think you mean, my mate down the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it will just weed out that, and it becomes a more, you know, we want tenders and things to be competitive, and if we can bring things in like this. And we go, tell us your sustainability code. How are you evidencing that? What are you going to do on yes. this site to ensure that, A, it's been designed with sustainability in mind, B, it's been designed with sustainability of future-proofing in mind, and yeah. moving forward, this is what we're going to do. And if we get people to prove that and they start winning contracts based on these things, then you get a completely different industry of... Completely. Yeah, and I think it can only only be a good thing. Um, there's a there's one of... point I'd add, there's actually one point I'd add to that from what you've just said. It's actually you know like when you design something and you say on paper this is how it, what it's going to do and how it's going to be performed. What we don't do is go back in and look at those buildings and actually think did they do what they needed to do? 
Yes. And I like think there's like that, that missing so bit, that, that data in terms of I've designed it in this way. It should perform like this. Actually, does it? And I think quite often because of the way that we're all kind of how procurement's done, it means that we kind of go into a building, we build it and then we move on to the next job. So we don't actually go back and double check that what we design works. Yeah. What we said we were going to do, did we do it? Or on paper, does it look like that? And behind the walls, what is in yeah. there? Does that BMS system conform to all of the things that you said it was going to do from an energy management perspective or did you in fact at the time before you bought it go out to the cheapest bidder and put in a system that just yeah. ticked the boxes from a it works point of view and you didn't really care about the energy piece and and you're exactly. right it's not policed is it it doesn't get yeah. policed in that manner it doesn't um, get policed and i think once it starts to and it, once people start doing that and then sh actually showing that in their tenders we did this it performed in this way and then you know your earlier question about how do you support an evidence to somebody that i can save you 25k or whatever 25 percent of your energy bill then at least then you'd have the evidence to show it and i think this yeah. is like a different way of marketing your business but actually it's based on evidence it's, it's substantiated claims and i think we've all got to move towards that and getting the data to support our arguments yeah so we we had a client once who um we'd put a proposal together and we've claimed that they will save x number of pounds and we did that by using a, a typical template of this is what your consumption is now this is what it would be da, 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 da. Mm. um and they they challenged us and said can you do can you come down and fit us a meter? It was like um, an energy consumption meter and it could, if it wanted to, it could chase um, their water, everything that they would spend, it would be put into their energy board and we'd click into all the different kind of um, circuits on the building and it would give us the energy, like minute by minute, add a SIM card and it was all singing or dancing, fabulous thing yeah. to do. And they said, we want it putting in four weeks post-install and four weeks pre-install. So we've got the data for comparison. And it was incredible. Ooh. If anything, it aided the, the claim. And from that, they went, right, we're going to do the other 100 sites because this is phenomenal. They were, their lighting was That's amazing. Out. Yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. Like, honestly, we found out by using this um, system, the graph would give us real-time data. And in the evening, yeah. they'd left. The sensors were, someone had set them up wrong. And their lighting well, was coming on. And, and, and there was this whole thing around sensors now, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. But they're and actually be able to monitor at 10 o'clock at night till two in the morning every night, burning <laughs> four hours wasted. Yeah. 400 watts per fitting. There was 50 in the warehouse. They were coming on four hours every night for nothing and they had no idea. Yeah. No idea. Um, so, yeah, it was it was absolutely incredible. And I think these companies are out there, the, these companies that offer these systems that are absolutely phenomenal. And yeah. unfortunately, they're not getting the the kind of the customers that they need they've got phenomenal systems and unfortunately people are overlooking them and i think and i hope in the next few years that these people will, will become vital to what you know the campaigns that you're saying about greenwashing and to make sure that we're claiming the right things let's prove it go and exactly. prove it yeah. and, there, and there's a whole there's a whole raft of kind of prop tech and um, construction tech firms out there who are working in this space in terms of the the, the monitoring of performance of buildings and, and all of that kind of stuff and it's really it is really fascinating to see that this is all coming on stream but i think it's making it more aware to that wider industry that this stuff does exist but and also there's lots of clients now who are saying actually we want to manage our consumption of energy we want to be a green firm we want our buildings that we work in to actually perform and i think so there is a growing groundswell but probably just not fast enough at the moment 
Yeah, well, that's always been the thing with construction, though. We're like <laughs> 20 years behind everybody. Like, most well, of my customers are still using pen and paper for quotes. I'm like, come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think we, we always seem to be behind as industry. And I don't know if that's the generational thing that we have in construction, that the heads of construction have been in for such a long time that they, yeah. again, don't like change. <laughs> um, and they're resistant to that. But, you know, it's coming. But from your point of view, um, you know, as a marketing expert and wanting to market the fact that your company are doing good things, because, first of all, why wouldn't we want to do that? What would you say your advice would be to make sure that you're doing that well and you're doing it within the realms of not getting into trouble? Um, I think I guess you want to have you want to have communications that are clear and they're open and they're honest um, and I think like in terms of clear, I think it's very much about being, you know, if I'm using the word term net zero, actually defining what that means to me. So if I'm making a technical using a technical word, carbon neutral, whatever, offsetting, then always kind of having a little sentence where you actually explain what that means so that people understand your interpretation of it and what you're actually talking about. Because there's so many similar terms in this kind of sphere that it's so easy to kind of be like, we're the greenest firm in the world. Well, actually, what does that mean? You know, green as compared to who? And, and, I, and I think there's that kind of clarity that we all have to kind of get better at doing um and i think as well in terms of being open it's very much about nobody has all the answers all the solutions aren't even out there you know even large firms don't either and i think it's kind of being open and saying actually we're working on this element because that's what we can manage as a small firm however this is what we're looking to do in the mid to long term and what our program of activity will be to improve our sustainability credentials so just being open and honest that you don't have all the answers but as well as i think the other thing is like we've just said as well of being aware of the, like the innovation and technical um new kind of things that are coming onto the market that could actually help fast track you in terms of sustainability so always kind of keeping an air out for that and looking at you know maybe going to you know some of the conferences and shows and just seeing some of these new products and just understanding how they can help your small business as well i think will be quite important um and i think as well when it comes to sustainability no one has the answers so don't be afraid to ask silly questions i kind of think we've all got to kind of get better at asking those questions so that we can explain them and use them and understand them and act on them so i think that's another part to have um and i think as well for firms i think it's having your kind of narrative around kind of sustainability and what you do together but you know making sure that i guess it makes sense that it's not you haven't got conflicting messages you're not making conflicting claims or you're not saying things that are ambiguous or untrue so I think you know how can you substantiate that story how can you have more evidence or more data about what you're doing and and your overall performance yeah I think I think that's really really important because at the end of the day we all just want honesty and I I say this to my team all the time if we're not going to finish your job on time just tell someone because people Mm. don't really mind that the job isn't going to be finished on time they probably thought it was going to be late but if you don't tell them you leave room for them to complain if you give them an upfront message and say, this is where we're at, this is what we're working towards, we're being open, we're being honest, people will just respect you. They don't even respect just the message anymore. They respect you as a business because you're being open, you're being honest. Yeah. You know, we're working towards this. You know, we haven't got it all right yet. The sustainability piece matters to us. This is what we're working towards. We have goals. Exactly. 
and and that's all we want, isn't it? You know, we just want to be told the truth. Yeah, I, exactly that. And I think you're absolutely right. And it's like we want to be told. But also by you being open and honest, it means that I know how to react and I can kind of have a response, you know what I mean? Rather than last minute type, you know, oh, my God. It's like, yeah, you're completely right about just being open and honest. I think it's yeah. so important. Yeah, it's just if everyone was like that, it'd just be lovely. It's so lovely. <laughs> <laughs> that's making me dream of a nicer open more communicative <laughs> industry but you know um so I'm, getting there. I'm, I'm going to ask you a question purely because no. like you mentioned before there's so many terms for different things and I think a lot of us get um took on the journey of buzzwords don't we and we yes word and it becomes yeah. so trendy and we go I'm going to use that in my campaign because people love it and it's new and it's trendy but I don't know what it means um so what does greenwashing mean to you? What would your idea of greenwashing be? Uh, greenwashing to me is just very much about just talking about kind of green. Like I'm a really green business. Uh, you know, we're doing all these great green things and then not really being uh, clear or open or honest about what it precisely is, what you're doing, your activity. And I think it's just taking a term and just using it for marketing purposes but not necessarily how you drive your business forward so I think it's being clear on your any statements you make about your firm and being able to substantiate what you're saying as well rather than just making you know we're a really green business well what does that mean you have to explain why you're a green business and and show some of the evidence why that's that's otherwise it's greenwashing oh yeah okay so if we're making a claim that we particularly don't know enough about or we don't have the evidence to provide, we're almost making a false claim about sustainability and that becomes greenwashing. Is that what yeah, right? you're basically using the term, but you're not really saying why it applies to you. Mm -hmm. So I think it's more a case of evidencing what you do and not necessarily just making claims that you can't substantiate. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as well, then, if, if we say now, like, you know, greenwashing has probably been being done for a long time. Um, is that now becoming a thing where you we need to make people aware of the implications now of greenwashing? Yeah, I think there's a there's a there's there's a legis, legislative side. So obviously you've got there's more and more kind of laws coming in around what people can say and, and their performance. But also, I do think there is also a kind of personal responsibility and, and what businesses have to do in terms of we've you know looking after the planet and we've all got our role to play. And I think there is that whole kind of being a responsible business and a res responsible employer and looking after the planet for future generations. I do think that is something that we've all got to bear in mind in the work that we do, especially as, you know, the constructors, what the construction sector is responsible for 25% of all kind of greenhouse gas emissions. So you're like, actually, wow. that's huge. Yeah, that's for huge. One sector out of yeah, hundreds. that's direct directly. So that's like not even indirect wow. stuff directly. And that's a, you know that was a survey, uh, the, some research the UK Green Building Council did last year during COP twenty six. And you're like, you hear stuff like that, and you're like, okay, we we can make a huge dent in this quickly if yeah. we all want to. So yeah, hugely, you know. And I think a lot of it, um, a lot of the companies I work with, um, and kind of companies that do similar things to me, but maybe slightly different. We, we have yeah. national coverage in our business. So obviously we have a lot of vans on the road, um, vehicles, you know, we, we have to go to meetings, we have to go to site, you know, we can't do everything by Zoom. So then we look at, okay, let's look at what electrical vehicles could do for our business. And 
the, the, the problem we've got, so, you know, I'm not slating EV because I have no, an EV installations business, so it's not in my interest to slate EV. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm like, is it really there yet? And the the infrastructure's not there. The, yeah. the charging, the infrastructure's not there, is it? I mean, yeah. yeah. And, you know, we look at it and we go, right, we've put this job management software into place and we're now saving our engineers four hours a week per engineer by not having to visit the wholesalers so many times because we're planning our advanced jobs in advance. The planning's a lot better. We've saved them four hours. So then we go, right, let's look at EV. How can that help us as a sustainability piece, as a business? And actually, them four hours we've just saved, we then look at it and go, potentially we've got 10 hours a week lost in charging bays well this is it but i think that's it it's, it's a chicken and egg isn't it at the moment yeah. EVs, the infrastructure is not quite there is it i mean i i went to wales with an onion in, in an ev the other other week and it was like you're right you, you're worried about am i going to make it to the next charging thing um so but, I, but, you, but yeah it's completely you kind of but i guess it's looking at what things are working now and and what's what's available now that could work for your business and then what you need to keep a look on a watch on and that, that as new things come on stream or there's better charging infrastructure then you could relook at that again couldn't you it's it's one of those it's 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 that there isn't a clear this is the one way of doing this yeah so it's, it's the same like amazon you know amazon i think um have a huge sustainability piece don't they and i think they yeah. because they're in the public eye so much they, they kind of have to but there was an article about the fact that they've got 30 million pounds worth of brand new electric vehicles in one of their uh, yards that have been parked up 12 months and they yet can't use because it doesn't work for them as a business. And I'm like, wow, that's insane. So, you know, <laughs> people are trying, um, yeah. but it's like, what what can we do? So, you know, I suppose it's difficult, isn't it? They then on paper could claim we've got 30 million pounds worth of... of um, Which they have. Vans and you know we've we were using and, it yeah and is it then greenwashing <laughs> you know they've got them they've bought them they've, they've it's really hard all yeah. the tax <laughs> well this is it and I, exactly they probably came back all the tax even though no one's actually using the vehicles and this is it but i think that's like you know that narrative around if you're talk, like actually telling the truth and so we've got these vehicles and they've been they, those vehicles have done x amount of journeys that's what you'd want to see Yes. Or you know what I mean? That's that would substantiate rather than you just got thirty thousand vehicles. Great, but are you actually using them? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and this is and the thing, isn't it? That, yeah, yeah. That's where the fine line is because it's like, well, actually, we all know buying an electric vehicle through a business is insane because you can claim the whole amount back in year one, comes off your P and L, wonderful, comes off your tax bill. But if they're then going to be sat there and actually then. You're not evidencing the fact that, you know, we've we've saved this much in carbon this year because last year we did this many journeys and we think our emissions were this much and this year it's this much. That's what we want to see, isn't it? That's where we want to see the money's being spent. Exactly. And that's it. And and that, that, exactly. You see their journey and you've got your baseline from, say, 2018 and then every year we see how you're progressing. And I think it's that kind of measurements and that kind of data that people want to see. And then it's a much better, richer story. And it's the, it's, yeah. It helps the planet. So, yeah, um, I, yeah, think, I think it, it, it's definitely stuff like that. But there are, like, horror stories. Like, I like carbon offsetting is, is an interesting one. You know, when people are like, I oh, will plant trees. It's like, if they're not sustainable trees or native trees to that area, then you can have other issues that come up from planting trees. So it's like, <laughs> it's not always See, I've like... i about carbon offsetting and carbon credits. And I'm like, yeah. I don't think I understand what they are. And I know 
there was a thing, a big greenwashing piece, maybe 18 months ago, two years ago, where a company or companies were buying carbon credits. And I'm like, how, yeah. is, how do you do that? Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Cool? Some of that is seriously ropey. So you have to really look at the companies that you're working with and where they're getting those credits from. And also, like, you get things like, you know, when people are like, oh, you know, we'll offset the rest of our carbon by planting forests here through this company. And I think it was Microsoft last last year where there was basically there was huge forest fires in, like, in the western, the western part of the US and uh, all the, that their carbon forest, you know, the forest, the offset forests that were planted all burnt down. Um, so, wow. so you're kind of like that didn't actually do what you intended. So in some ways it would be better if like you'd reduced your use rather than, you know. Offset. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that's story. what I mean. So it, it's it's a really interesting kind of piece. And yeah, there are things and, where and you can kind of pull down a hole. I don't know if you know this because I'm kind of picking your brains as if you are an expert here and I which I'm not I'm a much chair what, what is stuff. your understanding of carbon credits then I don't have that much understanding it's not an area I go into it involves numbers um, yeah I'm the same I'm like okay that's not for me <laughs> you know, like, I understand the principles but I don't really know I'm not going to dig into it because yeah I'm, I, I it's kind of I work I work with sustainability consultants who deal with that but um yeah I don't understand all of the kind of carbon offsets or trading or any of that kind of area but I do is there a good of... side to it do you believe if you do get the right company that it is something you should I think there might be but I think you have to kind of from what I'm understanding is like there is a good side to it as long as you've kind of tried to reuse and reduce before okay. you get to that level so you know like you've worked on all the other areas and there's still a kind of a small amount of carbon that you can't delete from your operations then you can offset that. I think it's that kind of mentality yeah. is reducing your usage and, and, and waste and stuff and then working. Do everything we can do first, but this is yeah. just something we have to keep. This is yeah. what we make and this is because you're in business, ultimately. Yeah. You're gonna have some kind of footprint or operation depending on what you do. So I think it's being realistic on that, but doing all the other stuff you can to reduce wherever you can. Because I think yeah. some people automatically like, I'll just pay it off, right? That's it. Well, yeah, and I think as well, the smaller companies, you know, SMEs, they go under the radar, you know, we, I, I, you know, I feel bad for the big companies sometimes, because I'm thinking, yeah, they're big companies, they, they do well, they should be under this kind of pressure, but they kind of have to lead the way, they're in the public eye constantly, and we want mm -hmm. information from them that we don't ask for probably the people who make up 80% of the issues, which are the SMEs, the micro businesses in, yeah. in the country. Um, yeah. And we get away with it for a really long time, and I'm one of them, so... <laughs> that i'm sure you are i'm trying i'm trying but it's I'm... worth looking out i i think the, the mayor of london for example he's got like a carbon challenge thing at the moment which is like for small firms and you for small firms you can get consultants to help you to kind of put your sustainability um plan together and things like that so i think there's things like that you can look out on you know from the government and it's, it's worth keeping an eye out for those things which are aimed at smes to help us to kind of navigate this because it's, yeah. it's, it's very different yeah, and I think, again, it's the awareness piece, isn't it? Um, you've just mentioned the carbon challenge. I've been in this industry that deals with this type of stuff for 11 years. Yeah. I've never heard of it. And you go, where's the awareness for this? Like, Yeah, because that's the kind of stuff where you go, actually, that, that would help me as a small business. It will give huge. me the, the things that I could use. But people just don't know. And I, and I think I think that's exactly what the issue is, isn't it? It's kind of like, and you're right, we're a nation of small businesses rather than the large ones. Yeah. So what is it you're working on at the moment? What are you um, 
digging into and um, kind of getting out there in from the sustainability piece? Um, at the moment, I, I'm guessing I'm just help. I'm helping. I'm kind of helping shape communications for different firms. I've done quite a lot of research on what kind of offers people are doing in the space um, for some of my consulting clients. Um, and then I'm also looking at kind of communications around net zero for some of my clients as well. So it's more around how do they communicate to their, their clients about what they're doing. And it's because I work mainly with large engineering firms, it's been understanding what their offer is and what they bring into the market and how to shape it all together, really. So it's understandable. Yeah. And I can imagine as well for an engineering firm, um, machinery, you know, people, engineers, vehicles, for companies like that, it's much harder to achieve these kind of standards than it is potentially for a factory who can recycle plastics and, you know, send stuff yeah. off to, you know, paper places or, or whatever, or even supermarkets, you know, let's change our lighting, um, let's let's make a few small changes, it's probably easier, whereas an engineering company, you go, that's a big task and hats off for them to... It is, because I think as well, you've got like the direct stuff that you as an organisation do, but then there's also like, you know, there's like scope free, isn't there, which is around, for net zero, there's scope free, which is around the, you know, the work that you design, the impact of that work and like reducing that. And it's like, I once you design a building, you hand it over to somebody. <laughs> like, yeah. There is a whole thing around that scope free and understanding how you can hit net zero with like scope free is, is really hard because you're like, you're not, it's indirect. Yeah, that's insane, isn't it? So not only as a business in your operations, you've got to look at your end user and then yeah. the clients and, and the companies within the chain that you're then working with. So exactly. So that's really hard. That's going to be yeah. the hard bit, hearing all the stuff around net zero, that scope free emissions, yeah. which everybody, everyone is trying to figure out how to do that. And that will affect the supply chain because all those suppliers that are working with these large engineering firms or these large clients are all going to have to help them to hit those targets. So actually getting up to speed on what you do is going to be really important. Yeah, and I think as well, that's where this, um, the, the thing we talked about at the beginning of this conversation with um, the legislation and the, the green claim code coming into effect, hopefully within that supply chain process that instead of just going, can you send us over your credentials, can you send us over your insurance, it's going to be, can you also now send us your sustainability code and your diversity and inclusion policy, yeah. and et cetera, et cetera, and hopefully... And can, you, and can you send me your evidence and who's verified, your, which third party has verified your, your numbers? Yeah, it'll be exactly. stuff like that. You like an audit. Like it will be stuff like that. Getting getting your getting your numbers audited. Yeah, and I, I think it can only be a good thing. I'm like, I'm I'm here for it. I'm championing it. Please don't come to my business. I'm like joking. <laughs> One day you'll get there. <laughs> don't audit me. I'm gonna be like, oh, I was gonna buy a four litre car next week. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am joking. It's um, it's a huge thing for me. I think a lot of the time, as because of the industry I'm in, I kind of go, well, I don't feel as bad about things I don't do because I'm helping people save money. Yeah. So I kind of go off the back of my client saving money. Go, I aided that journey. <laughs> like, I'll have some of their carbon credits. <laughs> You're holding on to the coattails, the green coattails. I'm yeah. there. I'm literally offsetting my carbon by selling my products to other people. <laughs> no, I am joking. I'm, I'm, 
completely joking. That's just my humour. We're, we're doing everything we can do. Um, like I say, you know, these, these things that are in our goals that we go, that's just not right for us right now. We've completely come away from paper. We have electronic notebooks. Everybody in the place has them. Um, and you go, that's just one thing that we've done. And it's a very small change for, you know, I've got, what, maximum 23 people. It's not huge, but it's something. And if we all do our little bits, exactly. um, then it goes somewhere, doesn't it? I think. I think, I think that's it. We all do our little bits and actually it's incremental improvements. I think that's what we've all got to kind of look towards. Yeah, but just more to be doing that year on year. Yeah. And if you've not seen it, the notebook called Remarkable 2. I don't know if you've seen them. Absolutely oh, I have done. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like, it's my most favourite thing. I took it on holiday with me last week <laughs> when I was away. Because I can just make notes and notes and notes and it doesn't get any heavier. <laughs> like... Well, that's the thing, right? Unlike <laughs> anything else, you're like, notebook, huge notebook. It's like, yeah, they do, they do. Yeah, I used to go through notebooks probably once a month. I'd get a new one. and I always kept the old ones because there'd be stuff in there I'd go back to. And now everything's in files and different places in my notebook. And I think, actually, I probably am saving some kind of um, something somewhere for someone. You know, I'm being co conscious of um, the fact that we shouldn't just be using paper like you know we're not cutting trees down for it so yeah no no no. I, mean, I think stuff like that they, those are small changes you can do and taking more things online isn't it in terms of how we design buildings and uh, and share them with the wider team as well and stuff like that so yeah and those well, as a business we can there. all do it you know we can all we can say actually instead of being on the road five days a week we might not get away with you know completely getting rid of them all but let's say any meeting that can be on zoom we'll do on Zoom and all yeah. the other ones that we absolutely have to be on site for, we'll go to site. And I think every single business can make these changes and it doesn't seem huge, but if we can take, you know, 6,000 cars off the road for four days a week, huge. Yeah. Like, I think that's the, thing, that's the thing, isn't it? Like over, you know, when we had COVID, COVID was around and stuff and we had, oh, sorry, I don't know what's going on. Are you okay? Sorry. I don't know, I'm getting to win music. Music. Yeah, I'm trying to make up Sorry. Ah. Wait, what is that? This is thing when you do it live. All I can hear in the background is my dogs. I'm just hoping nobody else can. <laughs> ah, that was it. For some reason, my phone started playing. Um, <laughs> don't know why. We didn't hear it, just so you know, we couldn't hear it. All right, anyway, I'm back now, I think. Hold on. So weird. All right, can I go back to your room? Can you still hear me? Yep. Awesome. So, yeah, I think there is that whole thing, though. How do you... Um... Oh, what were we talking about? I've completely forgot now. I was talking about how, you know, as small businesses we can all make these tiny changes like going on to zoom meetings using electronic yeah devices. and i oh, that's yeah. it i was going to talk about lockdown and basically say that there were certain meetings over lockdown that probably work better and i think it's having that kind of what things work better online because you could have everybody there who you needed and you could literally run through a report does that need to be face to face or do, actually what what parts of the construction process are better you know in person and what parts aren't and i think it's being honest about that because I don't think everything has to be face to face no and I, I totally agree and I think what what lockdown taught us is what you've just said but also the 
the, requi the requirement for these big buildings. You know, could we have the size of someone's office and do shared workspace? And should yeah. half of the team work from home, you know, one part of the week and the other half the other, and they share that space. So we've got 50% of the occupancy at any one time, which means 50% of the lighting in use, 50% of the water in use. Exactly. People use what they would use at home instead. And actually then the overheads of that business comes down, which, you know, indirectly increases bottom line profits. You know, there's, there's so many benefits along the way. And then we go, we can actually use then these unused office space for other things, you know, where people need buildings instead of constantly building more let's use the spaces we have more yeah. wisely um and yeah there's there's so many little things like that we can put in place and i didn't realize how passionate i was about it until we had this conversation today. <laughs> you learning stuff actually walking out going yes that's me <laughs> like honestly i'm after turn my heating off <laughs> i was really cold mine's on um <laughs> i was like i'm gonna start putting a coat on before i put the heating on save your money but yeah I, I'm not very good with the cold though I have to admit I'll be like oh my god I can't feel my feet yeah and um, you know there's some stuff isn't it like I find it incredible when I don't know if you watch um housing programs I'm obsessed with like watching people sell homes in America or yeah, wherever yeah. it might be and there was one that came on the other night that they'd built and it was completely 100% off grid they were growing their own food they were yeah solar PV, water, it was almost in a bunker. They had the, you know, the bit on the top where it's made out of plants, so that creates energy and would send it into the home. And I'm like, this is absolutely mind-blowing. And it was stunning as well. The house was beautiful. And they're that not living a life that. that we can't live either, but they're completely No, stunning. and I, but I think that's it, is it's not a life we can't live. And I think, you know, there's a lot we can all do ourselves and our businesses and to make a difference. And it's not, not huge stuff, but... Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm definitely there for it. And then you're passionate about it, which is great. <laughs> yeah, I am. I can't wait. I'm going to make sure I follow you and, uh, well, <laughs> literally look out for you and stalk you on LinkedIn so that I can get right I'm into there. all of your posts and share it and be like, follow this woman. She's on a mission. Um, I am on a bit of a mission, but like, it's so funny because, I, I, do you know what it is? It's like, I'm not, I'm not a sustainability consultant at all, so I can't do this stuff, but I do work with people who do. But it's like, I just think there is, especially, I mean, I'm a marketeer, so I take it from a, you know, marketeers need to get more up to speed into how we communicate and support our businesses. And that's where I'm coming from is much more around being open and clear in communications, because I kind of see like sustainability and all the green and climate change stuff that we need to get sorted. I'm like, if you want people to change their behaviours, we've all got to get better at communicating about it um and that that's where i'm coming from is that we've all got to help each other to do that well i think you guys you know people within your role in our industry um you are where we get the education the awareness piece from you know you're vital in this because we might have the message and we might have the goals and we might have the plans in place but it's people like you we need to rely on to get it out there um precisely you know, I think everybody's playing their role here um yeah and it's great to see and i do think you know it will it will get better and it's going to be another one of those things that over time we adopt there'll be early adopters there'll be late adopters there'll be ones that don't want to change <laughs> I mean, um, really yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i do think in time we'll um we will get there um you know i've absolutely loved speaking to you today and um, no worries thank you Hayley, and thank you for um, inviting me on as well it's been lovely no, it's been an absolute pleasure and I'm um, yeah, looking forward to pushing the podcast out and chatting to you more as well. I feel like we're going to be mates. So this is nice. I think we will. <laughs> yeah, we will. No, it's, no, 
true. It's the same industry, right? And I think that's the other thing I love about the sector is there are so many phenomenally amazing women, right? And we're all supporting each other and championing each other on. And I think it's so important because there is a role and space for us and we can bring so much to the sector. So, like, you meet people and you're like, yeah, I'll really get on with you. And like, we all just support each other and it's great. Yeah, you, you, when you align with someone's values and you can kind of see that your morals are in the same same place, you go, actually, this is this is wonderful. This is another person now that's in that community where you can yeah. go, let's champion each other. There's a lady called Carol who's normally here every week. She couldn't make it today, but she's been in the industry for 30-odd years. Like, she's amazing. You will love her. Like, you two. <laughs> I'm going to be best friends forever. Um, I feel yeah, like I'm need. speed dating. I know. She's like, you need to speak to this person and this person and that person. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, we'll um, we'll give you a shout. The, awesome. the Women in Construction Awards that we did in September uh, are in planning stages for next year. And we are looking for nominations. Um, there is a, nom- a category for people who are in the engineering space. So if there's anyone within the businesses that you work with that you think yeah. you'd like to put forward for the awards, Please I was going to say, I know lots of amazing female engineers. Yeah, loads. well, I'll send you really a link because we want to champion these women. The award ceremony was incredible. We did it all for charity, and it's an amazing charity that we supported. Mm. Um, so we're doing it again next year, and all the nominations we can get, wonderful, because we just want to highlight these women and, um, you know, really show them off for how incredible they are. So, yeah, Good. it's been brilliant. I will um, catch up with you soon. Thank you, everybody, who's listened to the podcast. Um, and yeah, we'll speak sooner. Welcome to Women in Construction, proudly sponsored by Big Dog, the UK's leading storage experts. From garage shelving to industrial racking, office chairs, desks, and packing, they've got it covered. Visit bigdog.co.uk for mega deals and discounts.